Welcome to 153 Great Podcasts, a ministry of 153greatfish.com. By the help of the Lord, I want to pass on to you a revelation that I believe that God has given to me. I believe that God has given me a revelation and an insight into the scripture of understanding of this scripture. And if we can somehow grasp this revelation, it's going to take away your frustration concerning the vision that the Lord has given to you. I'm going to try, by the help of the Lord, to help you to understand a little more about the ways of God and how He works. Praise the Lord. And my subject for today is the power of speaking the word of faith. The power of speaking the word of faith. You turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, for this purpose, that men ought always to pray, but not to faint. God doesn't want you to get discouraged. He just wants you to talk to him. Saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a window in that city, a widow in that city. She came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect? And I believe you're a part of his. And shall not God avenge his own elect when they cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Would you say that with me? Though he bear long with them. Say it with me again. I want it to be imprinted upon your mind. Though he bear long with them. Now, listen in verse 8. Verse 8 seems to be an absolute, total contradiction to what he has just said. Now remember, he has just said, though he bear long with them. And then in verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your very precious people. And these precious men, ministers, preachers, evangelists, saints of God, dedicated men, Lord God that loves you with all of their hearts, have gathered into this sanctuary. And I pray, Lord God, that you shall touch their minds to receive the word of the Lord today. May there not be a single person offended by the word of God, both those things that I have already spoken and those things that I will speak today. In Jesus' name, and I ask, Lord, that you will anoint my mind and cause my mind to be alert and loose my tongue that I may speak to your people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen. amen. Jesus used a parable here of two characters that are totally opposite of each other. First of all, he uses a very high-ranking person of great status and clout and prestige, a judge. Furthermore, 
He is not only a judge with great natural lawful authority, but he is a ruthless man. He is very, very ruthless. And he is not concerned about what people are worrying about. He even declared that he had little or no respect for God. He said, I do not respect God, I do not fear God, or I do not respect God. Now here is a ruthless man with political, lawful authority. He has within his power the power of life and death. With just one single decision, he can make a man rich or he can make him absolute poverty. He has that kind of authority. He can even take his life away from him. This is a man that everybody respects and fears, and though they may not love him, believe me, they speak to him properly and call him your honor. And when he walks into the room, they stand up. He was a man of prestige and power. He, he had a terrible attitude towards other men. He said, I don't regard man, and I, uh, I have no regard for man. There's some people in the church with that same attitude. I've heard him say, I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care what the pastor says. I don't care what the saints of this church say. I'm going to do so and so. Let me tell you something. That is one stinking attitude. I care what the least person in the church that I pastor thinks. I may not submit to their opinion. I've been known not to. <laughs> When I get in this pulpit, it's my opinion that you've invited me to bring you something from God. And I'm not going to let you intimidate me. I'm going to speak what God wants me to speak. But I want you to know that there's not a human being in this place that I don't regard. I do regard. I respect you. I am concerned with your opinion and what you're thinking. Someone said, quoting the scripture says, beware when all men speak well of you. That's talking about the world. I'm not talking about righteous people. It's not condemning the compliment of righteous people. Amen. But that was the attitude that this judge had. Then on the other hand, Jesus uses an example of a person that is extremely weak. Not weak in our current culture here in America. You're not weak just because you're a widow in America. Widows can keep good jobs. They have good jobs. And they have prestige. They can get as much education as any man can get. And they can hold down just as good a job and, and uh, do a lot of things in our current culture. In fact, I shook hands with a woman the other day, a widow lady, who is making $80,000 a year. Well, that's more than I make. I could make that much if you stingy you guts and loosen up a little bit.
Status-wise, they were on the bottom of the totem pole. They were nothing in that system. People wouldn't even spit out the loan payment taxes. They were nothing. So Jesus has taken these two characters of extreme opposites to show us a beautiful principle about the Lord and how he works. Amen. And she prevailed on him. She just would not let up. She was determined. She had it in her heart and mind that she was going to have her situation avenged. And she was not going to be deterred by it. Amen. Jesus responds. He's wanting us to understand that he responds to faith. And the reason we let up many times is because our faith wavers. Jesus gives us a beautiful example in the seventh chapter of Luke of the centurion who had a sick servant. And he sent messengers unto that, unto Jesus. He said, please heal my servant. And so Jesus decided to do that very thing. And he was on his way to the centurion, the captain uh, of the, in the Roman army. He was on his way to heal his servant. And when the captain seen Jesus, he ran out of his house and said, you're not worthy. I'm not worthy to have you in my house. But I do understand authority. I understand authority. And that's what faith is, is understanding authority. Understanding authority. Amen. And he said, if you'll just speak the word, because I know when I speak to someone and tell them to go, they go. No questions asked. Right or wrong is beside the point. I've told them to go and they go. I tell them to come and they come. And I understand that principle. And I know that that is the principle of getting something done here. And he was a Gentile. And it was not yet God's time to bless the Gentile. But Jesus Not her. She said, well, Lord, even the dogs get drunk all the time. 
And he said, oh, woman of great faith. Now she was, she was not a Jew, but God turned his whole plan upside down to respond to her faith. He couldn't resist her faith. And that's what motivates God. God bless you for all your consecration. That's going to help you to get to heaven. But it's not going to move God. Thank God for all the things you're doing for missions. But it doesn't move God. Even your prayer life doesn't move God. Because most of you walk around. I shouldn't say. Some walk around. And this is the way they pray. Uh, You all want me to pray with you. I just can't relate to that, please. Please forgive me, but I can't relate. I get so impressed with praying with some people. Sunday morning and start singing 
When bloom and sadness whispers, you've sinned, there's no use to it. I look away to Jesus, and he tells me this. Why did he write that? Now, I have a problem with my mind, and I think of the negative side instantaneously. And that can become doubt and cause you to question your brother. We all go through struggles, and it can affect your faith. It can really affect your faith. And we're all going to go through struggles. I don't care if you've got the Holy Ghost to the top of your head and to the bottom of your feet and running out of you. You're going to have storms to go through. Jesus one time used the example of a man that built his house on the rock and one that built his house on the sand. Now I would assume that the interpretation of that is that the one that built his house on the sand was those that were dependent on their own ability, their own understanding, their own education. And the one that was built on the rock was one that was built on the Word and on Jesus, truly born again. But I want you to notice that in the Scripture, you've probably noticed already, maybe, that the Scripture that describes the storm of the one and the other is exactly the same. Word for word, comma for comma, period for period. The storm is the same. So I don't care who you are or how good you live, if it starts raining and you walk out of here, you're going to get wet. It's just that simple. And then there is a storm that you go through because you're attached to somebody. The Apostle Paul said, don't sail. If you do, we're going to get into a terrible storm. But he had handcuffs on him. He was attached to somebody. And that somebody said, sail. He had no choice. He had no choice. And it wasn't very long until the Apostle Paul was in a storm that was so bad that for 10 days he couldn't see the moon, he couldn't see the sun, and he couldn't see the stars. But he was still an apostle. But he was an apostle that was in one more mess. And finally, the storm was so bad that it broke that ship half in two. And he was out in the water hanging on to a chunk of wood with the sharks nibbling at his heels. And everything he world was gone, wiped out. He probably had to even get rid of his coat to survive that water. But he never stopped being an apostle. And he didn't go through that storm because of his own stupidity. He went through it because he was attached to somebody. And you're going to go through storms because you're attached to somebody. Somebody's got some women down here at Christian Life Center. You just try to get away from them and see whether you're attached or not. <laughs> one day. Good man. Godly man. He even bought a second car so he'd get to church over time. His wife, I don't care what time church starts, she's going to be a half hour late. And he bought a second car just so he'd get to church over time. Paid his tops. Paid. Give liberal and special offer. He was just a godly good man. He was a cold mind for him. He was a boss. Good man. Godly man. Came into my office one day, just barged into my office without any appointment whatsoever. I don't normally let people do that. You can't pastor people that don't respect you as much as they respect the doctor or the lawyer. And you don't barge into the doctor's office, unless it's an emergency. And he barged into my office and screamed at me and pulled his hair. And he said, my God, Brother Paul, why has God did this to me? I said, sit down, Elder, sit down. Calm down, Elder. <laughs> I said, God 
has not done this to you. That little 14-year-old girl of yours is pregnant has done this to you. And if you will calm down and get a hold of your senses and put your arms around that child and embrace that child like you have never done before and love that child, God's going to bring you and your daughter and your grandbaby out of this storm. But it's not going to be tomorrow. And it's not going to be next week. It might even take two or three years. But God will bring you out and save God not only saved Paul, but he saved everybody on the ship because Paul was with him. Every last one of those guys would have died had Paul with him. And all of them for that. But because Paul was with him. Now he had suffered, but God brought him out. And the devil would take advantage of your dark days when you can't see the sun, the moon, and the stars, spiritually speaking. And he'll talk to you. And by the way, that's the only real power he has, is to interject thought into your mind. He cannot destroy you, but he can cause you to self-destruct. Amen. And then, of course, there is a storm where you just get into it because you're so blasted, bullheaded. Stubborn, rebellious. Hello. Jesus, the Lord, said to John, Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell him I'm going to kill him. Jonah said, so many words. I'd be glad to go tell him if you'd do it because I hate him too. <laughs> but the problem is I'm going to tell him and they'll repent and you change your mind and you won't do it so I'm not going. And he didn't go. And he got into his door. And God even saved him. He was so bullheaded and stubborn I remember one preacher I used to visit. I loved him like my own flesh and blood brother. But he was in a place that was totally out of the will of God. And I pleaded, get out of here. Move. Go somewhere else. And he wouldn't do it. He stayed with that church over 20 years. And when he finally left, he was running 30s and 40s. Over 20 years. And finally he left. And he's been where he's at now for seven years. And he's pastoring one of the largest churches in the United Pentecost Church and having 30 and 40 every month receive the Holocaust. And many times we suffer just because we are so bullheaded. And we call it determination. <laughs>
to do what he said he's going to do. He waits a long time before he starts. But once he starts, he moves so swiftly and speedily, you cannot take the honor and the glory. He waits, he waits and waits and waits until you are thoroughly convinced. I cannot do this thing. But God said he was going to do it. And my faith is not weird. been listening to 153greatpodcast.com, a ministry of 153greatfish.com. Please subscribe, and better yet, help us by contributing. God bless you.